Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Richard Listen Show, where we're committed to bringing you elite performers in their respective realms, even through the quarantine. Our thoughts and prayers are going out to all those people across America, especially in my hometown of New York, uh, and in particular to those doctors, nurses that are showing up for work every day on the front lines. And uh, we did not know where we would be. Uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, so I hope that we can give you some solace by giving you something to listen to, uh, things to pique your curiosity and interest in fields such as sports psychology and peak performance. Uh, today, my guest is Howard Falco. He is a uh, peak performance author and expert, as well as a mental strength and mindfulness coach. And he will tell us how he's taken it uh, to the top levels of performance. He is also the author of his books are I Am, The Power of Discovering Who You Really Are, and Time in a Bottle, Mastering the Experience of Life. That's quite a resume, Mr. Uh, Falco. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, Thank you for being for, here today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And you were referred to uh, to me by a professional I know out here in Los Angeles, uh, Andrea Rosen Daniels. Uh, so shout out to her, yeah, uh, big sports fan, and uh, thank you for always being so responsive in your communications. I'll tell you, you learn a lot about people in a crisis, and you learn a lot about having to work with people at a distance mm -hmm. uh, in terms of their courtesy, their their respect, their professionalism. So. Uh, Fist bump to you, air fist bump through a, <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you, um, you know, came into the field of uh, mental skills training and, and peak performance. And uh, was, was it something you always aspired to? Uh, did you know that you wanted to take it uh, to the NFL and the highest ranks? Uh, or when did you know? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, and um, that is a deep rabbit hole. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the the mid story on it. Okay, I won't I won't do the real short version, but I won't do the real long version either. So the mid sure. version, Richard, on it is um, I'm gonna condense this really uh, the, the the journey. But I was always curious about the nature of life. I had a lot of big existential questions since I was a kid about our place in the universe, what it means, what we're doing here. Um, why some people suffer, some people don't, why some people have joy, happiness, other people um, have a lot of drama. And so I just had a lot of questions about life as a young person and growing up. Went through my life, put myself through school out, well, grew up in Chicago, put myself through school out at Arizona State, got a degree in business, went into the business field, got married, had two kids. Sort of was checking all these things off that really made me feel like I could take a collective breath and say, okay, I've done all the things that make one happy except the more I checked off the list, the less happy, not the less happy, but 
the more anxious I got because it wasn't satisfying that deep inner urge for ultimate contentment and peace. I'm glad, and, I'm glad you, I'm glad you say that. Cause I always tell people that I have this weird idea that I had to be 27 with a red sports car and a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> right. We have these ideas of what perfection is or what we're supposed to do or, so that, that drove me further to a point in my mid-30s where I couldn't take it anymore because I thought I had everything that was supposed to make you happy, and yet I wasn't. I thought the last thing was the American dream that's taught to us or projected through media and culture is millions of dollars. And so I thought, okay, I'll just work even harder to accumulate that, which was killing me at the time. And one day I realized uh, back in 2002, late 2002, that I was in the middle of my home. My wife's cooking dinner. The kids were three and five playing in the family room. And I just realized, holy cow, happiness has nothing to do with money whatsoever. Nothing at all. It just overwhelmed me, this understanding. And at the same time, it really spooked me because I thought, well, that was the last thing I was holding on to. And if it's not that, then what is it? So this sort of fear overcame me like, I'm out of answers. You know, I give up. And I threw my hands up in that moment in a deep, deep, profound moment of yearning and just said to life, the universe, whatever your idea of God is, I just said, I have to know more about what it is that creates internal, what it is that creates happiness. And I sort of asked this question out of one of the deepest states of fear and yearning in my life. And then I let it go. And over the course of the next six months, I started to have awakenings. I had two what I call peak experiences. The first one, I was in a class for the financial markets, which I was in at the time on the psychology of it and how you trade markets and how you create it all. You're deciding the vehicle, you're deciding the amount, you're deciding how long you're in it, when you get in, when you get out. And the instructor was saying, you're creating the whole experience. Well, all of a sudden it hit me that we're not just, I mean, I just didn't care about these, that I was in the class of 25 people talking about finance. I'm like, this is how it works in life. We're making all the choices, interpretations, and perceptions that are creating the experience. And it was like this burden lifted on me that I had cracked the door open on that answer I'd asked two weeks ago. I was so pumped about it that I decided, does everybody know this, that the answers are within themselves? And if they just are able to follow this trail, that they can learn more and become happier by finding out that they control that? And secondly, I was blown away that I'd asked this question two weeks ago and here life was presenting me an answer in a finance class. And I realized that's how it works. Like it, life is always answering us. So I had like two things going on at once that sort of blew my mind. And over the next six months, I got really present and I was really paying attention to life and the answer started coming faster. And I had a second experience in late 2002 that is really almost unspeakable in the amount of um, humility and, and grace and understanding that came over me. I left the finance business and I decided to dedicate myself to sharing this understanding that for lack of a better way of saying it, Richard, just sort of became known. And I dedicated it to writing my first book, I Am, which I left my job in the finance business and I, and I went to write a book and it got published. And I started speaking and teaching about it. And so it was totally, about, it was an, a big leap of faith. It was a massive, so. I mean, I, 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 it was complete leap of faith. I mean, I, I really jumped without seeing a net, but I did it because the overwhelming feeling coming through me about this understanding and this wisdom, I felt like I couldn't not do it. I had to attempt to share it in whatever public discourse people got information. So the first one was the literary world. So I did that. I started working with people all over the world in different areas of life, relationships and business and spiritual path and mindfulness. And then about a year after the book was out, what happened was I started getting calls from athletes. And they would say, hey man, I read your book and this is what happened in my performance. Do you work with athletes? And I was already working with individuals. So I'm like, I played every sport growing up I, I've watched sports for 40 years, 35, 40 years. I'm like, yeah, I do. And so I made the transition about 
12 years ago, not transition, but aside from what I was doing with individuals to start working with athletes. So that's the mid answer, the condensed mid answer as to how I got involved in this. And it, and as the successes happened with athletes in different sports, whether it was major league baseball or division one college football, it just sort of morphed. Now it's on the PGA tour and just college and elite high school. So that, that's the short story. I hope that's, that, that was a short story, but uh, that's um, incredible. But, but, you know, I always like to slow my, my guests down just to highlight yeah. on these moments. Right. Cause for yeah, you, it's please. like, it's all wrapped up in one experience, but if you're, if you will, like, so you had this tremendous knowing and knowledge and just along the way that, that um, how did you handle that? I mean, like when, when you start to have these realizations that are different with the way you've been conditioned, uh, how did you trust that learning and, and when did you know that no matter what the cost you had to follow it? Well, the way that I knew that the knowing was profound was that I didn't have the questions anymore. And so the way that I followed it was it was almost like, I know it's, I don't mean to sound weird about this, but it was like leading me. And I, I really, I get goosebumps when I say it because I don't know how else to express it. It was almost as if I, it was like you're carrying a, a, like a baby had to be birthed. Like I had to put this out into the public discourse. That's what I felt. And so it was too much to keep in within me. So I would talk to anybody about it. And then I started journaling. And then I, then I, there was poetry in my journals that I, I didn't even realize I had the capability of writing. So poetry flowed out. And then I decided, you know, I got to write a book about this. And I guess when you ask, like, how did you trust it? How did you do it? Um, that's a big part of the work is, is the essence of really at the core of all the work is this, what this idea of faith really is. What does that really mean? And why is it so important to the process of becoming a successful athlete or, or in a relationship to be vulnerable enough to, to have a great relationship or a successful business or just to be at peace with yourself? And so I, I dedicated myself to walking the talk and trusting it at, at any cost. And I was, you know, I'm grateful that my, my, wife was <laughs> I was gonna supportive. say yeah, she yeah, yeah. To this truth <laughs> well at first you know for the first six months she was a little concerned because she didn't recognize she did recognize me but she knew something had profoundly changed but when she got comfortable knowing that this was a profound love and something great that was coming out and that I wasn't you know, I had a moment where I thought, you know, okay, do I shave my head put a robe on and disappear on a mountain but I, it was just a fleeting moment I love life and I enjoy it. And I really feel like a lot of people on a spiritual path who find this moment of bliss and understanding, they get attached to that and they don't want to come back to real life. But that's something none of us can avoid. We have to go back into life. And so I wanted to bring it into as much of a mainstream. So once she knew that, that I wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> that, and then she saw how it affected her life with her friends and her family in a profound way, she was all in. Um, and she's been incredibly supportive ever since. So, uh, and, and, I, and I think I've done a good job of, quote, um, I guess the best word I could say is normalizing this. So it's, it's not too esoteric or woo-woo. It's, it's very practical um, in its delivery. So that helped because, uh, like I said, there's all different areas you can go in once this happens, you know, and which is, just depends on the individual. So, um, so, I, I so, to so stay that's a good, uh, you know, lead in. Yeah. How have you uh, turned it into something practical and then conveyed? I mean, when you talk about having a big, you know, a deeper spiritual wisdom that, that moves you, how have you, you know, learned to convey that um, to athletes, you know, who, who remain? Yeah. That's a really, really great question. So, the answer to that is what I've learned about teaching, um, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, is that the most profound teaching is when you don't teach what you want to teach, but where the athlete is and what they want to know and what will help them get from A to B, not from where, right. you know, it's not a one size fits all world anymore. It's a very individualized. So each athlete is different. So after getting a sense and working with athlete of where they are on the spectrum of, 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 what kind of language I can use, how I can talk to them. Um, then I just meet them where they're at. And I start with what their intent is. What is your intent? And I get them to commit to that intent. And then I show them how they can increase the probabilities of creating that intent 
by starting to shift the way they perceive who they are. And then in, in being able to dig in and look at that and challenge maybe some old long held limitations or beliefs that they didn't even know they have, they, ex they then expand that identity. And when, when that's the whole key, when that identity expands internally, all the muscle reflexes, perception, reaction, everything responds to fulfill that. So it, if, if they're very spiritual, I'll talk to them with a little bit of that language. If they're very religious in a dogmatic way, I'll talk to them through that vein. If they're sort of uh, more of an atheist in how they look at things, I'll talk to them scientifically um, from a standpoint of, of quantum mechanics or, or how energy and matter work. So I try and fit it to what's most impactful to the audience that I'm speaking to. So, you know, on that notion, do you notice a big difference uh, with somebody who sought you out personally versus when a team has brought you in? Uh, yeah. You know, when somebody's saying, we're, I'm ready for some searching versus uh, we're just providing this for the, for the team. Yeah. Um, so when someone seeks you, seeks you out personally, you know, as soon as they walk in my door or get on FaceTime or whatever, all bets are off. They know they're ready to receive a lot of new truth and they're open to it. And, and that's good. Um, when I was brought in, in in 2015 Major League Baseball and spoke to 60 invites at spring training, I didn't quite know what, I, what was going to happen there. And, and what was interesting is I thought it was going to be a lot of the young guys who were going to move to this. And what, what shocked me was that although some young guys did gravitate to this, I would give sort of a general talk about mindfulness and the power of mind and how it works and how it, how it relates to the actual result of what happens, the difference between uh, a ball going off the fat, pad of the, the fat pad part of the bat or, or the top of the bat mm -hmm. or coming off the end of the glove or, or, or being able to glove it and how that finite difference comes down to a shift in awareness right before the pitch or leading up to the pitch where their body's leaning one way, where they know what the count is, they know their pitcher, they know the hitter, and they can get caught of a jump on things. So I, I talk about that in, in sort of a general way. And then I saw after the speech who would come and want to do individual work. And what I was surprised about was a lot of the veterans were very interested in this, that, that had done really well in their careers. And then it hit me that, well, of course they've done well in their careers because they're willing to be out on the spectrum. They're willing to explore things that other people won't and have the courage to do that. And that's what makes them great. So um, that was interesting. Yeah, I hope, I hope to have a, you know, a former major league pitcher on the show upcoming. Uh, and I ran into him at a conference and I saw, I didn't know who he was. And he was just the way he was studying and preparing his notes. I just saw the way he was organizing things. Um, you know, and he humbly told me, you know, his name later on, but, you know, I, I got the sense that he'd already been successful at many things prior uh, because the habits are already ingrained. It's how they're wired. They're wired with a higher state of awareness for their sport. And that trickles over a lot of times into their, into their life and how they handle things. And, um, and the great ones have a really high level of awareness um, and are so far ahead in their thoughts and their belief that it's a, it's a tangible energy that, that a lot of the other players can draft off of on the team. Um, Brady's great at doing that. You know, his linemen draft off that, his receivers draft off that energy. And it's like this incredible uh, collective energy that, that, but it's really stemming from his belief that if you could look inside, you know, you'd be like, wow, like, I thought it was X and it's like a hundred X, you know? Um, so what do you think? Uh, just cause you, you brought him up. What do you, do you think he'll be able to impact the locker room uh, quickly? Uh, just, oh, just, uh, his, yeah, yeah. He's got the advantage of who he is just coming into the locker room is going to lift the spirits and the, and the mindset and the belief possibility in, in, in the whole team. And then, you know, I thought it was interesting that the only thing he asked for in the contract negotiation were the phone numbers of uh, his teammates. I mean, it just demonstrates how aware he is because he knows the most important thing is to create a connection. When he creates a connection, he can flow that belief and possibility to them much faster, um, which will cause them all to be new expanded versions of themselves. To what degree we'll have to wait and see, but that team will definitely step up because of him. That's an interesting clause to request uh, in, yeah. in the contract, you know, um, just cause I'm a, 
painfully loyal Giants fan, New York Giants. <laughs> um, you know, I always, I always reflect, you know, that, that I mean, you know, uh, you know, congratulations to Eli Manning on a successful career. But, you know, really the secret behind the, the, the period of the recent success there between 2007, 2012 was like the linemen were like, first of all, one of them was Tom Coughlin's like son-in-law. They were like uh-huh. family. It was like a very family uh, they'd been together for a decade, kind of a feel, um, you know, so I always reflect on that, uh, the, the closeness that must have been happening in the locker room at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we, we digress. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting how each culture is different. Um, but that's why it's so important to have, uh, have enough people on a team with a champion level mindset where they will stop at nothing because, um, every player's got a limit in their mind of what they believe is possible. Whether they know it or not, there's a limit in there. And to have someone on the team that can constantly stretch that idea, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, a, a player, um, is, is vital to a team's success because you've got a lot of teams fighting for the same space. So um, that's why mental strength is so important in today's world. Absolutely. So how do you help some of these players that are, you know, they were the best in high school. They were, you know, they were, they were, they, they won a championship even in college and now they get to the pros and uh, you know, your team has won like three games or four games uh, and it's an absolute grind. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting thought because a lot of high school kids have great success they're the star, and then they go through the funnel when they go into college, and all of a sudden the competitive level jumps up dramatically, and the intensity level jumps up dramatically, and they've got to deal with that. And then when they go from college to the pros, it's even another 10x jump in intensity and competitiveness. So I think the first way that I would start with any player that's having trouble or there's a grind in moving to that level is to get them to understand that, look, this is where they wanted to be. They want to be pushed. So the quicker they can acknowledge the truth of where they are in comparison to where some of these other professionals are, the faster they can understand what they need to do to take it even further and to not rest on their laurels because they thought they were the best in college or, or whatever. You can't stop when it comes to moving to the professional level because someone's always going to be trying to outwork you. And so you have to build the will and the belief and the mindset that A, you can do it if you work hard enough and B, that part of what you're going to have to do to just maintain at that new level or to excel based on whatever your goals are. Again, I always bring it back to what their intent or their goals are because that's the easiest way to work backwards. Okay, this is what you want. Are you doing these things? You're not. Okay, where's the gap? What's missing? You know, why aren't you competing to win these tournaments as a pro golfer? Why aren't you, um, you know, as accurate as you want it to be as a quarterback at, at the NFL level versus the college level, you know, what is the difference? And we start dissecting that. Um, again, it's the path that I take with athletes in mental coaching is one of unadulterated truth and they have to be ready for it. They have to be committed and not look at themselves as anything less than because they finally absorb what the truth is that they need to work on. But knowing that when they realize that truth, they're going to set themselves free to be able to create what they want because you cannot create what you're in denial of to begin with. So you have to know where the gaps are and acknowledge it with excitement, not with resistance. And I think the best athletes are the most courageous and vulnerable when it comes to understanding how to get better, whereas the athletes that end up not going any further limit themselves because of the fear that they're going to find out they're not good enough in one area and they're too protective over that rather than vulnerable enough to look at it and work on it. That's been my experience. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. 
These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah, I've heard you say a few times uh, already about vulnerability, you know, and I know, uh, you know, Brene Brown, very, you know, popular in in media about power of vulnerability, especially in men and and Lewis Howes has come out about, you know, the mask of masculinity. Uh, How do you encourage athletes who have been kind of conditioned to wear the mask um, to drop a little bit of that layer to, to get closer to vulnerability and learning this kind of truth, which is what really is going to help you propel forward from a mental skills perspective. One question, and that is, how's that working for you right now? And usually when I say that, they're, well, they're not well, because I'm not where I want to be. Okay, let me help you show you the path to that. And I think this is where a great, you know, being a great teacher comes in because it's a gentle way of them trusting you through the process of vulnerability where they're not going to feel those three poisons of guilt, shame, or regret, or, uh, or woulda, coulda, the lies of woulda, coulda, shoulda, but only what can I do now to get better? And how is looking at this going to empower me rather than depower me? And so I flip it like, this is exciting. We want it. We want the clues. I tell my golfers, you know, when you hit a bad shot, don't get angry, get curious. Turn it into curiosity. Why did that come off like that? You know, where was my timing off or my hands off? Or, you know, where didn't I complete the backswing? Or, or, or where wasn't I balanced in the swing? Or, or where was my mind at, well, you know, when, when it should have been focused on target? You know, all these different things. Get curious because then you can get the information. And this goes back to what I said about, you know, some of the better, like I had a franchise player down in Tampa come to me. Great guy. Amazing guy. He's now with the Giants. Um, but, you know, I was at first shocked and then I realized, no, this is who he is. He's, he's so dedicated to, to being as good as he can be that he doesn't care. He wants to learn what he can that's new. He wants to use this as part of his toolbox. Um, so he's willing to be vulnerable to look at new information and decide what works for him. And again, to me, that's what makes greatness is that it's unafraid. So I guess to answer your question, uh, Richard, it's, it's really about showing them that if you want to get from A to B, this is the path and having them trust me through that process to, to be excited about it and be encouraged about it rather than um, what they felt, any shame they felt about looking at something that they were blocking themselves from seeing before or they didn't want to see one part of their game that, that wasn't good enough. You know, Michael Jordan, when he, you know, I grew up in Chicago, so I watched him as a rookie and when he, when he started out, you know, he got criticized his first couple of years in the league for his defense, right? He got criticized. What did he do with that criticism? He turned it into four defensive MVPs. That's what <laughs> greatness does, right? I, I wonder how he interpreted, what is it? He got cut from his JV team? Uh, I think when something. he was a freshman, yeah, he got, he got cut from the JV. That yeah. was something else that want- held him, yeah. I wonder how he took that information. <laughs> I think we know. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, you know, but that's, a, you know, a real, you know, amazing skill. And I know I've hinted on it a few times. Uh, you know, we lost uh, Kobe Bryant out here two two months ago in a shocking fashion. Uh, you know, and, and he seemed to have this uh, internal fortitude to just outwork everybody all the time. Um, you know, maybe I don't know how much he was influenced from being around Phil Jackson and having a culture like that, uh, um, or from watching MJ growing up. But uh, he seemed to embody a lot of uh, just mental grit 
uh, and focus, you know, beyond compare. So, so um, this is important yeah. because I'm glad you brought that up. And this is why it's important. This is how Kobe Bryant was wired his entire life. He was wired for greatness from, the, from day one. He was wired. If you see him in some interviews I saw during some of the memorials, I saw an interview like when he was in high school about to play for the championship or something, and they interviewed him. And he had the same attitude. Nothing changed for him his whole life. And the attitude was, I believe I'm the best. I'm going to work hard to back that up, and then I'm going to show it and I'm not going to be afraid to show it, and I'm going to keep learning and keep getting better every single day. Now, a lot of people would look at that, a lot of other athletes, and say, well, yeah, well, that's how he was wired. I didn't have that kind of upbringing. But this is why it's important, because mental strength, greatness, the ability to see infinite potential is learnable, is coachable. That's what's so exciting. It's like, who cares what's happened? If, you can, if you're willing to go into the process to be great, you have infinite potential in front of you. There's infinite possibility of what you can achieve if you're willing to dedicate and commit to the process and be relentless and never give up. And that to me is one of the most exciting things. Yes, was Kobe an anomaly? Was Jordan an anomaly? Yes, from the standpoint of how they were naturally wired. But naturally or unnaturally, it doesn't matter if there's anyone listening who, who wants to be great. I am telling you, you can be if you're willing to go through the process. Now, it's going to be a different process for every person, but it's there for you. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, I read, uh, you know, Bob Rotella's, uh, you know, is it uh, What Champions Think, uh, his book, okay. uh, where he talks a little bit about LeBron coming to him similarly uh, after he, I think, lost in the finals in his rookie season because he realized his weakness was three-pointers. So, you know, he needed help on that. He, he didn't just want to make more three-pointers. He wanted to be, like, one of the best three-point shooters ever. Like, he wanted to address that, that mental block. Mm -hmm. um, because similarly, he knew it was, like, a weakness, and people were just going to let him um, have that weakness. And, and how that can impact how you feel about yourself personally as an athlete. Um, yet, if you set out on a course uh, – but obviously, we can't all be LeBron. We can't all be – uh, Kobe or Jordan. Uh, so you, did you mention you worked with Arizona State University? Is, is Herm Edwards there? Uh, Herm Edwards is there now. I worked in the Todd Graham years. I worked for a year with them. Actually, it was their best season um, in uh, 2014. I worked with the whole team for, for a year. I started with the special teams unit, of which there's two of those guys that are in the NFL right now um, that was on that special teams unit, punter for Miami and the kicker for Arizona. Um, and then um, – uh, ended up working and traveling with the team for the season. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, what was that it was like great. for you? It was great. You know, I it was intense. Uh, you know, division. You know, <laughs> it doesn't get any more intense than 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 you know than football. Pro or uh, really, Division One college football is about as intense as I've experienced any sport, either in the locker room before or during the game. Just the speed of the game and the intensity. But it was great. And and the great thing was these young minds. It's a real cerebral generation, and they're very open to this work on mental strength and mindfulness and, and mental coaching, and, and that's why I think more, more coaches should be, should be doing this. But it was great to be able to teach the work and, and teach the, the work in my book I Am to them and, and show them how they could achieve infinite possibility. Um, you know, one of my favorite moments of the year was, unfortunately, um, being LA, in L.A., you might not like this, but we, we – we had played UCLA the week before at home and, and got beat pretty good. Our, our quarterback went out and uh, we had the backup quarterback, Mike Berkovici had to step up threw for 500 yards in the UCLA game, but, but we gave up 63 on defense and they beat us. And then next week we had to go into the Coliseum against USC and it was Berkovici's second start. He was near his hometown. And the one theme we worked on, we worked together the week before. And the one theme was, Hey, you're going to be challenged in that game the key I want you to keep in your mind is that anything is possible. That was the theme going into that week. And there he is with three minutes and 53 seconds in the game down by three scores. He throws two quick touchdown passes. Team gets the ball back with 50 seconds in the game down by like four. And uh, with 10 seconds, he throws a pass over the middle to like the 50 or 45 yard line. And with 
zero time on the clock. He throws the jail Mary to win the game at USC. So <laughs> that was a fun moment. Um, as well, he's a great story. He was on that uh, show about undrafted. Yep. Right. About his whole commitment and willingness to keep going. And is it, uh, he's a great, great young man and he has incredible grit. He stayed with the team, even though he could have transferred. Um, and uh, he ended up getting the start and he ended up playing, I think for the chargers on the, on the practice squad. And, and uh, um, then he played in that league that didn't last long for the San Diego fleet. The arena uh, football for, league. No, it wasn't the arena no. league. It was the XFL or the, I forgot the A A A A F L. It was the, the recent league that that was was and now <laughs> and they, now where they didn't get paid and where they yeah they were at the end of the season they didn't get paid yeah but now he's he's continuing his football career he's going to be a great coach I think he's with the Cardinals right now and just a great young man so but but a great a great spirit and a, and a great motivator so great guy but anyways so, the season was yeah. great yeah. It was fun so, to be able to So how them. do you reflect on that as somebody who's working with athletes and obviously, right, to, to talk to somebody after a loss about the obstacles, about trying to create the opportunity, about what's in front of them, and to see him, I mean, at the time, right, to, to do that in the last few minutes for USC, to see something like that manifest, um, how, how do you reflect on that as a professional? I mean, do you take moments to enjoy it? Um, does that give you kind of a little bit of like the proof is, is in the pudding that if you do the work, yeah. the results will show? Well, you know, I teach athletes, look, if you have to celebrate victories, you know, there's some athletes that, that can't, you know, had trouble even celebrating a victory. And I said, you have to be able to celebrate, to not celebrate a victory is a lack of faith. Like you have to take a moment to enjoy it. So for me as a professional, it's the same thing. When there's a moment, sure. I enjoy it. It's, especially in sports. Um, it's, it's something to be celebrated, but it's also a validation of this work. And, and it, it excites me. It fuels me. It propels me to keep teaching the work in my books, to keep teaching this to people. I mean, I've worked with people that are were looking for love again in relationships, never thought they'd find anybody and ended up getting, finding someone and getting married and then asked me to perform the wedding. So I celebrated that when I did that with them, um, <laughs> yes. which was great. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's a validation that, look, we have an, are in a very hyper-competitive world. And what that means is that, especially when it comes to athletes, the differences are so finite now because everybody's starting when they're three, four years old now, single sport athletes. So what is the new separator? I believe the new separator is awareness, is mental strength, is consciousness, is the ability to elevate your understanding of who you are so that you can exude more power, passion, grit, determination, intensity than your competitor. When I work with pitchers in baseball or hitters, doesn't matter which end I'm working with, I'm always telling them, look, this is mano a mano right now. This is one intent versus another. Your job is to have your intent, will, and grit outlast the opponent in that matchup. And what that means is you have to be focused, you have to be prepared, you cannot take anything for granted, you have to be dialed in, and you have to be ready throughout that whole process. You, you give up one second in that process, they're going to beat you. So, um, so it's really important, I think, in today's world uh, to look at this as one of the components to being a great athlete. And so, uh, yeah, I do celebrate when it happens because it's, it's joyful to see other people succeed with this knowledge. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're, you pointed that out, that the, the ability to use consciousness, the ability to use your mind, and, and I'm finding these opportunities, you know, even from the ages of uh, 12 on up, you know, when I work with a high school athlete, that those who have the ability to really look at how they're showing up in the game um, mentally, uh, what they're bringing forward, particularly if they had a prior injury or, uh, you know, a bad loss or, or you know, if they're uh -huh. a little bit dejected by their change in the rotation. So how they show up and what they're bringing uh, can really impact each game and change the course of their relationship to the sport or to the season. So uh, I know growing up as an athlete, like if you get to a place of being disempowered or helpless, 
or feeling you can't have an impact on things, that's a really dangerous road uh, to go down. Um, it's poison in the well. That's right. That's right. So I'm excited to hear that entire teams are getting on board. Uh, do you do you have uh, coaches that are bought in? I mean, do you, can you yeah. can you work in a team where the coach is uh, not so quite you know on board with mental skills, or do you think nowadays most sports are are getting on board? Depends on the coach. You know, I've I, in baseball and in Division One college football, I've experienced all ends of the spectrum. There were guys. Matter of fact, two of them are now. Uh, managers in baseball that I worked with in Tampa who loved it. Um, uh, you know, they, they were all over this. Then there were some older school guys that were a little, you know, not quite sure and not, you know, and the same thing in Arizona state, there were coaches that just loved it and embraced it fully were open-minded about it and others that were a little more protective and, you know, just a little more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, territorial about their connection with, with, you know, with the athletes. And so, and, and I was only there to help enhance what they were coaching to help success for the whole team. Like I, I didn't know. You but their own, their own trust issues come in and correct their own did you, domination. Their own, did you yeah, ever feel tested in terms of uh, confidentiality or things like that? Or no, um, do you that. set your terms when you work with a team? No, no, I never felt tested in that way, but I did, you know, there were times when I felt, some resistance from, from certain coaches that, but most of them were pretty good. Most of them bought in, most of them listened, most of them were open and whether or not they, they maybe fully took advantage of what I was offering, they listened because they knew there was something in it that was powerful because they saw the results in some of the players that I was working with. As a matter of fact, all, you know, knock on wood, most of the players that I worked with had incredible results and still do. So it, it they're not going to be able to stop, this process because this is the new evolution of mind and sports and where we're headed as it relates to performance it's it's you know we're eating right we got great technology we got biomechanical work we got workouts that go down to the split second i mean you've got all this work consciousness and mind and using that power is only just like a next step of that so um and again i'm, I'm very blessed to to do the work and and I think if it's, it's properly introduced, if a manager or coach of a team sits down and understands what this is, introduces it to the, to the team and the coaches the right way, it's, it's no issue whatsoever. Um, but again, when you're a pioneer doing something a little new, and which this is, you know, sometimes, you know, you can catch a few arrows. But, I, you know, I, I believe that eventually people get comfortable with it and and it'll be a bigger part of sports. Um, I've certainly been um, been blessed to to do this, you know. And you know, even just recently on the on the PGA Tour, had a big victory with a player uh, recently that you know we worked on for two years, you know, and and it came on the biggest stage at Pebble Beach. So, you know, it's hard to deny that this is the next movement, and. And it's why I wrote I Am, it's why I wrote Time in a Bottle, was to offer as much of this as I could to people about how your mind is connected to creating your results. And so um, tell, tell everyone about, you know, the two books and best ways to, to reach you and, and learn about your work, um, uh, if you wouldn't mind. And, sure. and then maybe we can close out with some tips for young athletes out there. They're getting curious about how to begin to look within what, what's something they can do. Perfect. Um, so the two books are, uh, the first one is I am the power of discovering who you really are, which is a very powerful book on self-understanding and self-awareness. And the next book is time in a bottle, mastering the experience of life. And it's a book about how you can use time to your advantage from the standpoint of what you want to create, how to put the conditions together faster to have what you want come into creation sooner. Uh, both of them are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, local bookstores, they're on Audible. Um, and then uh, my websites are um, howardfalco.com and my sports website is totalmindsports.com where my work and, and what I do with athletes is on there as well. Um, so yeah, so and, and then there's videos and stuff on my on my Instagram and YouTube and um, uh, Facebook and different social media. 
And, and um, is that the best way for people to stay in touch with you through the website? Yeah, through the website or social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Yeah, that would be the best way to connect. Or you can email me at, at uh, info at uh, totalmindsports.com um, if anybody's interested in, in looking further at some of the work that I do and some of the private session work that I do with individuals. Um, so they're welcome to do that. Yeah, and uh, I'd love for you to give some tips to young athletes. But first, you know, as a tip for me, um, how do you balance uh, being an author and, and working with athletes? How have you, as a professional, how do, how do you keep it all, um, you know, from the travel to everything else? How do you keep it all balanced? That's a great question. And I think it really comes down to, to doing the best I can to be disciplined with time and priorities. What's the most important thing that I got to do? Is it to travel to this golf tournament, work with a player? Yeah, and that's what I'm going to do for the week. Is it to... Um, to write for three hours and lock myself away and turn my phone off. Yeah. Then I'm going to do that. So it, it comes down to discipline. Uh, you know, I'm getting better at that because it's so <laughs> you're multitask when you do this business, you know, it's, it's a lot of, or if I have private sessions or private work, then, then I go do that to, um, to do my work. So um, again, it comes down to intent and really planning and prioritizing. So that's how I do that. It's, um, it's, I'm sorry. So you asked about tips for younger athletes. Yeah. For younger athletes who are like, yeah. you know, what's, you know, what's this? I know there's a journey within, I know I want to work on mental skills. Uh, you know, okay. How can they begin to work on their um, authenticity so, and vulnerability? Yeah. So the first time, the first thing you have to ask yourself as a young athlete is how bad do you want it? And if the answer is bad, then write down what your intent is. The fact that you're listening to these words right now through this podcast means you're open. You're wide open to this information. You've already taken the first step in the process just by hearing these words because you've yeah. said, I want to know more about mental strength or I want to learn more from Richard. I love his podcast and what he brings every week, you know, and boom, here's some, some stuff directly related to mental strength coming your way. So you've already, you've already, the universe is hearing you. You've already opened up to the process, which is cool. Now it's about taking it to the next level. Okay. What can I learn about who I am? To, to make my grit and my will stronger than it's ever been? And will I be willing to measure that in what I'm doing to back up that this is who I say that I am? And am I willing to be vulnerable and to test myself in tournaments or in games or on the court to demonstrate, yeah, I believe in this and see where the gaps are? And, and I would just encourage you that there is no such thing as failure. There are times when you will not succeed at what you're trying to do, but when you don't succeed, you will have information in that lack of success. Something will be in there that the universe is offering you a condition which hasn't been met yet, which means you got to go back to the grindstone and keep working and just never give up. So that's one aspect of what I would offer to any young athlete. The second piece, which is equally, if not more profound, is that if there's anything in your mind that ever pops up that tells you that you are unworthy or incapable in any way, I want you to remember that it is a lie. It is not true. The truth of the universe that I've discovered or divinity is infinite possibility. Now you have to be aware of process. You have to be aware under what system you're in and what it takes, but a combination of a strong awareness and an unrelenting belief in yourself as worthy is a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. That's terrific, terrific nuggets. And I, I, I think I wish if I could speak to my, uh, you know, 24 year old self or even younger, with that idea that you have to have a red sports car and a certain amount of fame before you could be successful. Uh, I would, I would kind of see that as the matrix of these false beliefs um, that have nothing to do with internally what you know about yourself, what you know is good and true about how you connect to the world and how you relate. Um, and, and just learning to love that, embrace that about yourself. Yeah. It's big. You know, so I thank you, uh, Howard, for being a part of my show. 
and uh, in, in creating this show as being a, a way to express my voice and a way to give back to people and listeners and share with them a little bit about your secrets, your pathway, so it might inspire them to go a little bit deeper on their own journey. That's awesome, Richard. I am I'm extremely grateful for what you do and, and your dedication to it. And I'm very grateful that you, you, you know, allowed me to come on and share this work. So thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Again, uh, Richard Listens, uh, quarantine edition here. Uh, we thank professionals who are giving their time despite uh, dealing with their own adversity and challenges schedule. I know all of you who've had your sports seasons postponed or scheduled or dealing with uh, caring for young ones or elder ones or battling uh, the illness in any way or just doing your part in social distancing. I uh, want to give appreciation to you and your experience right now and the challenges we face. It is historic. It is one of, uh, you know, unlike anything else. And if you are going through some degrees of waves of emotion or anxiety, I am available. Uh, telehealth is an option. Thank God uh, our, uh, our licensing boards have kind of uh, gotten in line with making it possible for you to be at home and still access. So please reach out to me as always, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Richard Listens. You can find the podcast on Spotify. Please reach out if you know someone or have a topic you would like to hear represented uh, or to learn more about. I thank you again uh, and I appreciate you being here. Howard Falco, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, state, please pick up a copy of his book. Look for uh, Richard Listens Crossing the Threshold later in 2020 where I share a bit of my own insights, stories, peak performance tips of my own. But even, even those of us who are doing podcasts and uh, writing our own books are always needing to draw on the well of inspiration uh, to find the creativity to go forward. So thank you all for tuning in. And again, this is Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.